Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It is the 24th, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I can say it, 25th, 25th of October, 2022. Uh, happy Tuesday. Taste and see today that the Lord is good. Maybe uh, make Jesus known to others in the breaking of the bread today. If you haven't read the passage where Jesus, um, after he's risen from the dead, you know, takes this walk to a town called Emmaus with uh, two men who um, were obviously followers. They're not named disciples, but they're clearly followers of Jesus, probably a part of the 120 or so who were gathered in the upper room on the last night. Um, these are these are guys who knew him and walked with him. And yet, um, you know, they are deeply troubled because last they knew Jesus had died upon a cross, and that's not at all what they expected to happen. And so they're um, they're walking, they're discouraged, and Jesus comes alongside. They don't recognize him, and he uh, he asks them to you know share with them what they're what's making them so sad, and they do. And and he says, and he opens. I mean, what Scripture tells us is that he you know starting with the Old Testament, he opens to them everything about himself in in the word of God. I mean, don't you wish you had an audio recording of that conversation or, you know, a transcript of it? I sure do. But um, they arrive at Emmaus and uh, he says he's going on further and they, you know, they say, no, 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 stop and share a meal with us and spend the night here. And scripture tells us that he's made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So just, I'm just imagining that moment where, you know, he's breaking bread with his hands and they're they're moved back to that moment at the Last Supper where he does that. And they're just like, oh, yeah. When have you had those aha moments in your life when there's just been this crystal clarity about God's presence and his goodness and his grace and his all sufficiency and his mercies new every morning? Like every once in a while, we need to go back to those aha moments um, because those encourage us on the days in which, um, you know, we might be tired or sad or frustrated or questioning. So I'm just encouraging you today, um, you know, to be in the word of God, let the word of God be in you so that you can be prepared to walk your faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. So today's growing your faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter seven, verses seven and eight. Um, remember, we are spending time in the Sermon on the Mount. So please read the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through chapter seven takes a little under 20 minutes to read the whole thing, so it doesn't take that long. Uh, Here's today's uh, verses from verses 7 and 8. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, if you just take these words of Jesus um, and, and, and 
cut them out as a proof text of, um, well, I should ask and God should give, um, you know, like a candy dispenser. Um, you will have certainly missed the point of the Sermon on the Mount and where we are in it. This is a portion about higher righteousness going beyond the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. This is about how disciples are to live. And so this is a passage about how disciples are to pray. This is a teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to his disciples specifically. So this everyone that's referred to here are those who are in Christ. It's not everyone. This is not a general population, uh, you know, candy dispenser version of God. This is a teaching of the Lord to his disciples on the topic of prayer. So it's not about gaining access because you and I, through Jesus Christ, already have access to the Father. And so this is not about knocking that a door of access might be opened. So there's something else going on here. Access is already gained through Christ. So this is about persistence, the persistence of the disciple in asking, seeking, and knocking. And asking, seeking, and knocking are not the same thing. Um, we have access already. Do we persistently and consistently ask? Um, do we keep on asking? And what does it mean to ask? Well, to ask means to make our request known to God. And yes, God certainly already knows our needs before we ask, but he wants to hear from us about the things that weigh heavy upon our hearts and minds. So when was the last time you asked God for what you need? Asking is the first step in prayer, and we need to ask persistently. Um, And then after we ask, we need to seek. Seeking is different than asking. Think about the game of hide and seek. You don't just, if you're the seeker, you don't just sit there and ask people to reveal themselves. No, you go and you look for them. Seeking is an active searching so um, in, this, in this context of prayer, asking is making the desires of our hearts known to God, our concerns known to God, and then seeking is actually actively searching for the answers or the provision or the way of God through whatever it is that we're praying about. Seeking is the active pursuit of the answer that God is providing. And because God's ways are not our ways, sometimes we have to seek and seek and seek and seek and seek before we find how God might be providing answers to the things for which we have asked which leads us to knocking. Knocking is not, again, it's not about a door of access. We already have access. So what is knocking and what does it mean to keep on knocking? Well, knocking means that we step out in faith and we start knocking on all the possible or potential doors behind which we just might find the answer that God has provided, that God has prepared. What new possibilities did God reveal during the seeking process? You've been seeking, right? Well, in seeking, you found a door. Are you knocking on that door? That takes faith. That's an act of faith. Sometimes the answer to the prayer that we prayed for is behind the first door that we knock on, but often it's not, which is why we have to keep on knocking. This requires perseverance. And every time we knock on a door and we share our need and we seek God's way, we demonstrate our faith in him. It's actually a part of our public witness that you and I as Christians would keep on knocking as followers of Jesus in the world, representing Christ when we ask, seek, and knock. And here's a crazy thought. The person behind that door may have been praying, may have been asking that God would show them how to use the resources that he's given them, that God would show them how they are supposed to use their influence. They may have been praying that God would send them an opportunity to be a blessing, which means that you arrive as an answer to their prayer when you knock and say, I have this need, and God led me through my seeking to reach out to you and ask if you could help. Friends, God's ways are mysterious and wonderful and designed to bless us, but not only bless us, bless others as we humble ourselves in prayer and grant the opportunity for others to be a blessing of God to us. 
So ask and seek and knock that you might receive and find and stand before a wide open door of God's abundant grace. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Next up, Nick Pitts. Joining us now, Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement, but he's also an oil guy, an oil and gas guy. And so yesterday when Jim in Connecticut said, hey, don't you have an oil guy somewhere out there? I think it would be great to have a segment on exactly what happens when we draw down the National Strategic Reserve of Oil. Where does it go? Do trucks come and pick it up? Who buys it? Does the U.S. government get market price? All right. Well, here you go. Nick Pitts is with us because he is actually an oil guy. Well, You're my oil you. guy. There you go. I know. I know. I don't often call on you as my oil guy, but welcome today as the oil guy. Well, it is an honor as always to be here, and I'm so grateful for the chance to help us better understand the oil and gas picture here in the U.S. and how it helps us to be able to live prosperous lives. Okay, is the strategic oil reserve actually like barrels of oil somewhere like we used to have gold at Fort Knox but don't anymore? Yeah, so uh, it's located in various parts throughout the country. You've got a significant portion in Louisiana. It's a, it was created in order that in a national emergency we might have a supply to be able to draw on to bring about stability as we look for new sources because we recognize underneath everything, um, underneath most things that uh, how we live, work, and play here in the U.S., a large part of it is uh, really uh, oil and gas are necessary from the food that's on your table to the containers that uh, put those leftover put that leftover food in oil and gas plays a significant role in in the way of life here in the U.S. Okay, so I'm thinking, you know, big giant things out there, storage containers of some kind that have massive amounts of oil in them, um, and then trucks come and pick it up. Just like, I mean, it's like a regular fuel depot kind of situation, and then. Who buys it? This is a part of what we don't understand. I mean, does this like is this like oil that ends up um, gas and oil that ends up in places where regular trucks pick it up and regular people go and pump it? Yeah. So a great, to be overly simplistic, it's important for us to think of the oil and gas industry in three particular segments. You've got upstream, midstream and downstream. Upstream is going to be those individuals that are often characterized and you often see on TV. They're the wildcatters. They're the ones that are going out into the, the Netherlands. They're going out into the middle of nowhere and they're searching for oil and gas in various places. Those are the clampets, right? We, we saw the infamous oil, uh, oil uh, gush that came out. That, that would be considered upstream. They're the ones looking for the gas, uh, oil and gas. The second part is the midstream. Those are going to be the individuals that are refining it, turning it into the necessary product, the product that you use, making it usable, whether it's uh, natural gas that's going to be heating your stoves to whether it's going to be the gasoline that gets put into your car or whether it's going to be uh, oil that you put into your lawnmower to make sure that you can cut your grass. And so that's the midstream component of it. And finally, there's the downstream. 
the downstream is going to be everything from the uh, your local providers that put make sure that it uh, that gets it actually into the town and into your house, or whether it's going to be at the gas the gas stations or etc. And it's going to be transported a variety of different ways. It can be transported yes by truck. Those are those big trucks that you see along the road. But a large portion of it's going to be transported through the, our natural gas pipe, our, our rather our pipelines that are underneath the ground that you don't see. So that whenever you're thinking about doing one of those at home projects, we've got a, a national number eight one one that you're supposed to call before you dig. Uh, one because it helps the utility companies to be able to identify those pipelines that are so important um, to make sure our system continues to run, but also too to make sure that you don't hit it and hurt not only the people that are around you but yourself as well. I love it. See, I knew you'd be able to help us out. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Nick Pitts in just a moment. He is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Today he is here officially as Oil Guy. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I am a mountain Nick Pitts is here. He is uh, a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. He is also um, an oil guy and, yes, a gas man. Um, And so it's really wonderful to have you with us here today, Nick. Um, We have one. I want to talk about the difference between the strategic oil reserve and whatever's going on with diesel, because we uh, we learned yesterday that we're in a like a real diesel crisis in terms of the supply of diesel available in the U.S. And so is that different than the conversation about the strategic oil reserves um, or kind of are they the same thing? And then a question from a listener that I thought was so good. Don't we have our own oil mines? (laughs) First of all, the fact that we would call it an oil mine is now my new favorite way to describe it. And don't we have our own? Exactly. You know, like during the Trump administration, there was a you continued to hear this phrase from uh, Secretary Perry when he was secretary of energy as this idea of being energy independent. We recognized that we were self-sufficient on our own to be able in case of a world crisis to be able to sustain our own initiatives and our own being because of the reserves that we have within the U.S. And that's one of the things that we very much tout and we're very uh, pleased about. Well, the reality is um, that was that was correct during the Trump administration, and they're to be commended for that. It was incredible efforts. But the oil and gas is only good insofar as that you can get it out of the ground or that you can actually use it through um, and make it usable through the refinery process. Right now, what's been what's happening, unfortunately, um, because there's conversations around transitions and clean energy futures, et cetera, is uh, is kind of the licensing and the leasing component. 
um, essentially, are you going to are you going to have the licensing and leasing to be able to draw it from the ground and to be able to uh, to to be able to use it and make it usable for consumers. And that's where we're starting to see a slowdown process right now. There is a uh, there is one a regulatory process that's making it very slow to actually get the licensing and leasing necessary to be able to make it usable for the American consumer and business customers. But then also the second component is you've got the business market standpoint. It's just it's it's an expensive endeavor. It's like any endeavor. It's a it's a it's an expense that you have to pay up front, knowing and believing it to be true. You're going to get a return on that. And with the with the lack of clarity and the uncertainty and the waffling that's happening right now, um, it's just real. It makes it makes it a very much more difficult business decision. Do I want to continue to invest in such an unstable market with a lot of forces that are moving? If that makes sense. And uh, hopefully, I'm I'm being clearer than oil um, in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, no. Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. We're talking about extracting it out of the ground and not being expensive and then refining it and not being expensive. And refinery capacity is not as um, significant as maybe it once was because there has been this push against oil and gas companies to move toward um, non-fossil fuel oriented um, energy sources. And so as they have converted it to to more what we would call clean energy sources, um, obviously they have not been investing in additional refinery capacity, which now we're like, hey, we need you to be doing these things. And they're like, you know, we 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 took those things apart. Like we don't have those things anymore. And and, and the thing is, like I, I just from from my vantage point, I think it, it, different strokes for different folks, what I believe it to be true, to be able to power this diverse and beautiful American economy, it's going to require all people to be at the table. We don't want to eliminate anyone from the table. We want everybody to come together, wind, solar, natural gas, water, uh, hydrogen, et cetera. Let's bring all these sources together because we know that we're, we're a big engine, which is this American economy and this beautiful American experiment. And when we all come together and we don't try to shun people from the conversation, a lot of great things have happened and can continue to happen to, uh, to further fuel this big, beautiful, diverse experiment that's known as the U S. So helpful. Um, all right. You and I are going to have to um, hold our conversation about the most inclusive pronoun of all, y'all. I'm going to hold that for the next time that we get to talk. But um, but do give us a little bit on the uh, World Series. We uh, This is news today, right? The Phillies and the Astros are going to the World Series. I suspect that between those two teams, you have a favorite. Oh, I do have a favorite, Carmen. And I wish that <laughs> I wish they'd just cancel it because my beloved Rangers are not, they aren't even, it's not even that they're not at the world series. They're not even in the conversation to be in the world series. We spend almost the most money this past off season and we still only won 60 plus games. It's just, it's heart wrenching and it's a sanctifying tool that God is using in my life. But nevertheless, there are two teams that are just ridiculously on fire right now, which is the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies, with led by J.D., uh, 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 rather Bryce Scherzer, it's just absolutely just 
playing such great baseball, and the Astros, as always, are just playing incredible baseball right now. Jose Altuve, big Christian, um, playing for the Astros, he is just incredible. But I got to tell you, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I got to root for the Phillies, though. Got to root for the Phillies. Don't want my fellow after the Astros cheating scandal from a few years back. I just can't. I just can't get there. So go Phillies. Uh, call me a Phillies fanatic. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, that's all right. You know, I, it's just it's fun to um, to recognize that, you know, people are still playing games and um, there is still wonderful opportunity for extraordinary athletic performance um, in the world today and opportunities for people to give glory to God. So let's be doing all of that um, as we enjoy this year's World Series. Nick, uh, as always, thank you so much. It's a delight to talk with you. Um, Thank you for bringing it today in terms of explaining to us what's going on um, in the oil and gas industry and um, and definitely helping us better understand when we hear these when we hear this news about the drawdown of the strategic oil reserves. Like, what does that really mean? So thank you um, for helping us better understand. We appreciate that very much. So great to be with you, Garmin. Likewise. All right. Go Phillies. Next up, um, we're going to have some upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge and this is Faith Radio. Okay, so um, Luke Moon is on a flight right now from Israel to the UAE. And so we recorded our conversation yesterday. Well, yesterday we didn't know some of the things that we know today. And so let me um, read in what has happened just this morning. In fact, it's an unfolding story um, going on right now in Britain. Rishi Sunak officially took over as Britain's prime minister this morning. He met with King Charles III to accept the role about 30 minutes after um, the new king accepted the resignation of the former prime minister, Liz Truss. Now, Liz Truss, you will remember, only served like 50 days, Um, but she's forever going to enjoy the distinction of being the last prime minister of Britain to meet with and shake the hand of Queen Elizabeth II. So um, you are going to hear lots and lots of news today about Rishi Sunak. You are going to hear... Um, about him as a person and an individual, and you're also going to hear about the um, the ongoing challenges in Britain in terms of the opposition that he immediately is facing from the Labour Party. So the Labour Party leader um, is already uh, repeating his calls for a general election um, it, almost immediately after Rishi Sunak uh, became the first British Asian prime minister. And you say, what, what? There's things that I'm going to hear about this individual that are new to me. I don't even know who Rishi Sunak is. And so we're going to talk a little bit with Luke Moon about Rishi Sunak um, in our conversation that we recorded yesterday. We'll also deal with headlines out of China, Iran, and North Korea. All of that up next on my conversation with Luke Moon. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. Joining us again today, Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. 
Luke, you're coming to us um, from on location in Israel. Israel. I love it. All right. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We genuinely appreciate it. When we look at what's going on around the world, probably uh, in many places topping the news and of great political intrigue is the transition taking place in the UK. Liz Truss having resigned from the position of prime minister, Boris Johnson, the former prime minister, saying he is not going to run. And that leaves a couple of people topping the list. Maybe the best candidate in terms of prospects is Rishi Sunak. Anything um, you want to say in relationship to all of this? Well, there's several interesting things here. One is, I don't know if you've seen it, there's been a meme going around in which it shows this timeline of Israel being ruled by Elizabeth. And uh, there was one, and then there were suddenly two, and then there were zero. And the short-lived prime ministership of Ms. Tuss is it's kind of incredible. I mean, it's like 44 days or something like that. Now, this new guy who is likely to win, uh, Rishi Sunak, will be the first prime minister of color for the UK, which is notable, and also uh, the first Hindu, which is also obviously notable. And it really, I think, two things here. One, it shows the shift in the, obviously, the the government of of the UK, not only in the prime minister being of uh, Hindu descent, but also Prince Charles, or now King Charles, has not been known for his serious commitment to the Christian faith. So it will be very interesting to see, perhaps sadly, the end of, like, almost perhaps one could say a Christian UK. There's There's been a long history of the U.K. being the almost the center of Christendom, and uh, at least on Protestant side, and and that's shifting, and that's very interesting. So you'll appreciate this. Um, and again, we're talking about Rishi Sunak, who, uh, you know, is 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 going to be the next Prime Minister of Britain. We now, um, you know, we now know that in terms of who the Conservative Party is backing for the position. Um, you'll like this about him. Something that um, that I have just read in the BBC. In 2016, he, he told a group of school children that he originally wanted to be a Jedi Knight when he grew up. There you go. He's rich <laughs> enough to potentially be a Jedi Knight, actually. He is. I, I feel he and like, his wife, uh, 730 like million uh, pounds in terms, of their, uh, in terms of their wealth. It's pretty, pretty significant. Oh, wow. It's significant. I feel like if you wanted to be a Jedi Knight, you probably could find a whole group of people for, for <laughs> less than a million dollars to to affirm your knighthood. And uh, but you know he's going to be a prime minister of a country instead. Yeah, it's going to, and we'll we'll obviously follow this story as it unfolds. But we wanted to just let folks know um, today that that's going on. Let's pivot to China. Um, Xi Jinping has secured a third term as that nation's supreme leader. Maybe we talk about how uh, Xi is really shaping the trajectory of China and some some sense of the threat assessment of him continuing to serve as that nation's leader. Honestly, this is this is probably one of the biggest news stories out there right now in international affairs, because not only do you have uh, Xi Jinping uh, giving a third term, which according to previous rules, that was not possible. You were only allowed two terms, and he somehow was able to make three. And then also, the rules were that you had to retire at 68, and he's 69. So he, he was like, yeah, 
forget the rules. I'm, I'm going to do this again. And under his rule, not only has the Chinese government clamped down on Christian witness, uh, closed a lot of churches, there has also been this decline in transparency uh, in relation to Chinese economics. The GDP numbers are a little shady. He's he's really perhaps one could say in the more in the vein of the communists of old, the Mao and and kind of that generation where where it was much more antagonistic view of the world. Um, we I think we can anticipate that there will be continued antagonism towards Taiwan as a result of this. You know, his major his predecessor was there on the on the front row of the uh the big meeting that they had and he was removed physically from the space which was uh, really a show not only a show of force but an insult to the previous leader like basically saying those policies which were of the past are over this is a this is a new day and I'm in charge. It's, it's very, I don't know, Carmen, if you remember, there was a moment when Putin was allowed, you know, he ran two terms, completed them, and then the government, he wasn't allowed to run again, so they elected this other guy, and then Putin came back, right? It, it, it seems in that kind of like shady, just adjust the rules so I can stay in power kind of uh, dictatorship uh, of old. And, um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, it seems. And in China, we're, we're at it again. So for those of you unfamiliar with the storyline, uh, Xi Jinping's predecessor was unceremoniously escorted out of China's party Congress. And then um, China very, very quickly censored um, online searches for his name. So you were not able to then go and you know, do research on, well, what was it that the former Chinese leader, um, Hu Jintao, you know, what were his policies or what would it be about him that uh, Xi Jinping and the new regime would not want you to know? Uh, and so, yeah, it, it was a significant display of power um, to to do that to, uh, to the predecessor. Um, I think that when we think about threat assessments going forward, obviously Taiwan, which you men- mentioned, persecution, not only of Christians and, and churches in China, but the Uyghur people, certainly um, the economic conversations going on globally, including the Belt and Road across uh, Africa and Asia. And, you know, just the very nature of China as a surveillance state in relationship to its own people. So um, lots of things there to watch. Uh, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Luke Moon. We're going to pivot to a conversation about Iran and the Korean Peninsula. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening.
All right, picking up our conversation where we left off with Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. Um, let's talk, um, Luke, let's talk next about Iran. The United States um, and others are seemingly more and more aware of actual direct involvement of Iranian troops on the ground in Ukraine. And Iran is now saying it's going to sue the United States, alleging direct involvement in the protests there. So give us a give us a sense of what's happening in terms of our relationship with Iran. Well, yeah, it, the the Iran relationship is complicated because, you know, at one hand, we're really, 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 the Biden administration, at least, is very, very interested in in saving the Iran nuclear deal, right, the JCPOA. And at the same time, there's these protests happening. Khomeini is not doing well. Iranian Revolutionary Guard has been found in in Ukraine. There was several people died in Ukraine over this last week as a result of of what are called, I don't know, it's probably not their technical title, but they're basically Iranian kamikaze drones. They're drones that are intended to be guided and then and then kind of launched in that kind of um, kamikaze style. And the the Iranians found in Ukraine were training uh, obviously Russian forces on how to use those. And then Iran is going to sue us for our involvement in the demonstration. Man, I, I really wish they would because I haven't actually felt like the Biden administration has been actually strong enough in supporting the protest. So if, if uh, word's out that, that we are, well, great, because it, I, I would welcome a much stronger uh, admission or support coming out of the administration for the Iranian protests that are taking place. Yeah, I, I think that continuing to um, have our finger on the pulse of what's happening there is really important. I These young women um, who continue to stand up in defiance of you know, of a of an Islamic regime, it's you, you hope for their safety and you hope for their liberty, but you also recognize the strength and power and and commitment uh, and conviction of those against whom they're seeking to take a stand. So um, lots of lots of opportunity for prayer there. On that front, Carmen, I, I think it, it is one of those unique moments where there's a lot of things coming together. And I think if if people are really be specific in prayer. I think it is important that we pray for like an upcoming leader. I think that's one of the things that has a lot of pundits a bit concerned about is that because this was largely driven by social media and a, a really a, a reaction to a significant injustice that was taking place with the murder of the young woman for for not wearing her hijab. And, and then a lot more women being murdered for not wearing hijabs. I think the the person who will rise up to challenge the uh, morality police, challenge the, the grip that Khomeini and the uh, religious authorities have over that country, I think is really important. And there isn't a clear and obvious kind of ruler or leader that can step up. And I think it would be, it, it, I, w- I would really encourage the audience to to really pray for the right leader to rise up in this moment, because it's the kind of thing where I'm reminded here, you know, I was in, I was in Shiloh earlier today 
uh, and the Shiloh, as as we often call it in England, you know, where the tabernacle was, and it's the place where the, there's the period of the judges in which the tabernacle stood, and and you see that pattern in judges where the people were were enslaved, and they reach a point in which they just can't take anymore, and God raises up a a ruler a ruler and sets them free, and. Uh, we really need to be praying that that's what happens with the Iranian people. And remember also that it's in one of the fastest growing churches in the world, in Iran. There's just a lot of real great potential if some of these bad actors can get out of the way and a, and a really nasty regime gets out of the way, too. All right. Um, we got a couple of minutes um, left to talk about what's happening on the Korean Peninsula. North and South Korea exchanging what are described as warning shots. Um, you know, how did this start, and where does it go? Well, yeah, you know, the, the, we're at this moment again when North Korea seems to be in a very belligerent mood. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, they launched a rocket across Japan. Now they're exchanging uh, naval fire with uh, North and South Korea. They're kind of shooting at each other. Uh, it's one of those moments when I'm I'm inclined to think that, the North Korea needs attention or is seeking attention. Maybe they're running low on money and they need a new injection from the UN or they're running low on food staples or something. It seems to be really out of the blue that they're rising up their, they're kind of picking at their neighbors. But this, this place where uh, North and South Korea exchanged uh, naval fire uh, has been a place where naval fire has been exchanged before. It's it's on the seaside of the DMZ, and uh, it has been a place where uh, there's been bloodshed, too. And so I think it's important uh, that we recognize that, that North Korea has and remains uh, an antagonistic power in the northern part of Asia there. And uh, it's important that, you know, obviously South Korea is hopefully will hold have restraint, but Japan is also very concerned about how North Korea is behaving. Uh, but hopefully it is one of those moments where they're just kind of trying to get a little bit more prestige. The world forgot about them. Kim Jong-un really loves that kind of global attention and uh, is, is testing perhaps South Korea and Japan in order to get some of that attention. Luke, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us. Blessing on your travels, uh, safety as you travel in the in the Middle East. And um, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You can find uh, you can find Luke at the Philos Project. That's philosproject.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, let's spend a little time together praying the news today. So when you um, hear a news headline or read one or, you know, something pops on your social feed or somebody sends you a, hey, did you hear about this kind of a message? Let me encourage us to take a deep breath and pause and be sure we pray. Let's be sure we pray for the people who are involved um, on every side of whatever news story it is that we're reading. 
I know that there are times that we feel helpless or inadequate to um, even process through, let alone influence or impact what we're hearing about or what's happening um, even in our own neighborhoods, let alone around the world. And so I want to remind us that we're not powerless and we do have influence because we have access to the very throne room of the living God and his arm is not too short. His arm is not too short. He can reach out at any point in time, in any place in space, and do whatever uh, is according to his will. And so, as I share with you that Brittany Griner is going to appear appeal today, uh, her prison sentence in Russia, you say to yourself, I don't know what I can do um, in this case. Well, we can pray. We can pray for Brittany Griner. We can pray for um, those who love her best in the world. We can pray that God would reveal himself to her. Um, and you say, uh, you say, there's things I know about Brittany Griner's uh, life and lifestyle that are not aligned with what I know to be God's perfect will for an individual. And I say, that does not mean we don't pray for her. We pray for her, um, that God might use this as an opportunity to reveal himself to her, that she might be drawn near to God as, um, you know, as she finds herself really all alone. Um, And so she's appealing her case today in a Russian court nearly three months after um, she was convicted of smuggling drugs into Russia and sentenced to nine years in prison. So the Moscow court that is hearing her appeal um, could choose to leave her verdict in place. They could choose to overrule it or send it back to a lower court or simply reduce her prison term. Uh, And so, yes, there are still apparently active negotiations between the United States and Russia in relationship to a potential prisoner swap for Brittany Griner. Um, The United States still considers her to be, um, you know, inappropriately detained and held there basically as a hostage. Uh, And so let's just continue to be lifting up that situation before the Lord. Um, Another Pray the News opportunity today uh, in St. Louis so this is one of those stories where, you know, you're you're conflicted even as you read it. There are so many people here for whom we should be praying, not least of which the family of the 16-year-old and the 61-year-old who were killed yesterday in a shooting at a high school in St. Louis. But prayers of praise and thanksgiving for the officers involved who um, arrived just after the 911 call. Um, it did take them eight minutes to find the gunman in the school. But once they uh, found him, uh, they engaged him in what is described as a two-minute gun battle. Uh, and um, the suspect is now dead. Um, but he's identified uh, as a person who graduated from the school last year with no prior criminal history. And then they talk about what he had with him. Um, nearly a dozen high-capacity magazines with enough ammunition for uh, you know much worse situation at that school in St. Louis yesterday. So we grieve. We grieve with the family of the gunman. We grieve with the family of the 16-year-old girl and the 61-year-old woman who were killed by the gunman. Um, we give God our um, our praise and thanksgiving for these. Uh, these law enforcement officers who, you know, are always willing to answer the call and go into harm's way on behalf of uh, of the innocents. And we're thankful for the preservation of life. And we're thankful that it wasn't worse than it was, but it was bad. And there's a lot of grief here um, and, and a lot of now post-traumatic stress for everyone involved. It also reminded me of a story in terms of like praying for the good news part and the way God preserves life 
um, and yet recognizing that death is a part of this next story as well. Friday night in New Hampshire, I don't know if you've heard this story already, but Friday night in New Hampshire, um, a a single-engine Beechcraft Sierra plane actually crashed into an apartment building in Keene. Um, It was, you know, there were eight people inside the apartment building, and although the two people on board the aircraft were killed, for which we grieve desperately and deeply, um, it is described as nothing short of a miracle of God, a pure act of God is the language being used, that no one in this apartment building, and when you see the pictures, um, when you see the pictures of this, this apartment building completely exploding in flames, it's amazing that no no one within the apartment building was harmed, um, nor was this youth group, which was meeting like 30 feet away, uh, that that no one in this youth group was harmed either. Like there there are ways in which we can acknowledge the presence and the um, activity of God in the midst of a situation, even when there is loss of life, even when something terrible does happen. A plane crash is a terrible, terrible thing. And the loss of the life of the two people on board the plane is utterly tragic. But this act of God in preserving the lives of others um, is extraordinary. And now, you know, yeah, these people need to um, replace everything. Like literally everything they owned is lost, but their lives are not lost. And isn't life so much more valuable than things? Good reminder um, today to be focused on and pay attention to the things that really matter. And let's top that list. Let's have on the top of that list Um, the preciousness of every human being, even those with whom we desperately disagree. So how are we praying today? Not only for those we love best in the world and who love us best in the world, right? But how are we praying for those who love us least in the world and maybe those whom we love least in the world, as Jesus would characterize them as our enemies? Well, how does Jesus love those who were once at enmity with God? What's the nature, what are the ways and the character of Jesus in relationship to those who were once at enmity with God, those who would be God's enemies, those who are working at purposes contrary to the will of God? That's you and me, sinners, each and every one. And how does God demonstrate his love for us? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing grace and sacrificial love. And so as we're praying today, let's be mindful that um, people whom we see as working out terrible evil in the world, they are one confession away from being our brother or sister in Christ. They're one confession away from being our brother or sister in Christ. Could we see them with that potential today and pray for them in that way? Could our hearts be tenderized? toward those who are, cur- are currently at enmity with God, that we might together praise the Lord together in the days to come. We're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.